Hello, everybody. Um, welcome Hello. to the TGSS of the second term of the academic year. We call Hillary here in Oxford. Um, so today we're very happy and very fortunate to have Drugil Selling um, present his work for us. So Drugil Selling is a PhD student at the Center of Buddhist Studies in the University of Hong Kong. And he's originally from Amdo in Tibet. His doctoral research focuses on Indo-Tibetan Majamaka philosophy in general, and on Rendawa's Majamaka philosophy in particular. So without further ado, please, Seling, um, take it away. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Jack. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, first of all, I would like to express my uh, gratitude to TGS members uh, for offering me uh, these opportunities to be part of the series of talk and share my work with a such wonderful audience. I also would like to extend my heartfelt thanks to our host, my dear friend Jack, who organized and made all possible. As you know, I will be talking about Rindal's Madhyamaka philosophy with particular focus on the two truths. Before, <clears throat> but before going into the topic, I would like to talk about his life, the backgrounds of his Madhyamaka philosophy, which opens to share his overview. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, can you see the screen now, right? Great. I, he was born in uh, <clears throat> 1347. Uh, in the Rinda Valley, which is near the Sartian Monastery in the province of Song and Western Tibet. By the time he was 18, uh, he went to Sartian Monastery and take a novice voice from the journal master, Sazan Matuenchen. <clears throat> this is how he got the names, the uh, Rindawa Junology, which means literally means the useful wisdom, uh, which he kept us for the rest of his life. Around uh, 1369, uh, uh, Rindawas begins to learn the Buddhist logic, epistemology, and through the lens of Dhammakirti's Parmana Vertika, uh, and it renews the journal scholar, Nyakun Kanga Jemsen, who was a great expert on this. After making reasonably good commands of the subject, he went out for debating courtyard. Uh, according to his biographer, also his cousin's personal attendant, Sanji Simu, on one occasion, Rindawa was dissatisfied with his response to the question uh, opposed by his challenge on the courtyard, which made him feel uh, tremendously uncomfortable, uh, presuming that his oral transformations from uh, teacher uh, possibly mislead him. As a result, he set intensive meditation uh, at Satya Monastery to reflect on his previous learning. Interestingly, since then, though there is no records of him taking a part in a public debate about Indian literature, he studied in depth. He learns professional wisdom study uh, through Matriya's Api Samya Lamkara from Satya Skala Namatambasunam Jamsen. Asankas Abhidharma Samuel Chayas and the Vasubandhu's uh, Abhidharma Kusha, as from Luchin Shanship Simu and Gunangarbas Vinyana Muta Sutra, and it's from Daglupa Kenchen Ganga. After acquiring a solid foundations in a four 
uh, mentions major uh, Buddhist Indian Buddhist classics, Rindava shifted his attention to Madhyamaka. Uh, Trimus, uh told us that he, his initial plan is to study a Madhyamaka with Slamatambasonam Jamsan, uh, but this master was uh, last at that point, not in a Sarja. So he eventually uh, went to the Kenshin Shanzon, who was at Sarja at the monastery at that point. So he is told to have, a, he is reported to have told Rindawa, Madhyamak, including the writings of uh, Magurjuna and Ayadiva and Sandra Kurti. We will come back to this uh, topic uh, soon. <clears throat> he comes to study the Vrajayana. He received tantric teachings from various masters, such as the Guya Samajas from Luchin Shanship Semu, Hivajras from Ramatan Basun Jemsen, and Chakra Samvaras from Sasun Matavenjan. He's also said to have a deeply introduced by Tungu Samaja. Uh, his biographer does not specifically kind of tell us when exactly Rindawa starts teaching and accepting students. However, <clears throat> Ketubzi uh, tell us that it is the dawns of it is dawns of the Rindawa's teaching career when he told Tsongkhapa, Vasbandu's treasures of Vasbandu's the Abhidharma Kusha at the uh, Thyssen Monastery, uh, 1373. Uh, Assuming that was the beginnings of Rindawa's teaching profession, it begins when he was in the late 20s. He often offered class in a private individuals like Tsongkhapa and stood public, such as near 500 monks and the uh, garden in the two, uh, in a one, uh, 1,400. Uh, uh, and his esoteric teachings are uh, centered on uh, the Tantra, while his esoteric, esoteric teachings, including the Mula Madhyamaka and the uh, Chattushataka Shastra and the uh, Madhyamaka Avatara. <clears throat> he attracted a lot of followers from monastics and ladies. And some of them, one of the greatest minds in Tibet, like Tsongkhapa, Kichibji, and uh, Jasubji, and also the from lady like Chijir uh, in Western Tibet, becoming a student, and also his kind of financial support. However, towards the end of his life, around like 1390, uh, Rindawa acquires uh, a key interest in uh, doing retreat in an isolated place. This is reflected in the letter and the called the Song of Loving Retreat, Wembala uh, which he sent to Tsongkhapas from Satya Manas before his retreat. Thus, he decided to retire from his teaching obligation uh, at Satya Monastery and begins devoting himself to religious practice and uh, solitude. And but considering his advanced uh, age and the harsh living condition, uh, both monastic leaders and the uh, lay official of Sarcha are reported to have, uh, you know, endeavors to dissuade him from pursuing this uh, courageous uh, plan, but bear no fruit. It is unclear who, uh, you know, so what promotes him to such make a such a firm decision. One of the factors possibly contributing to this is his uncompromising uh, characteristic, 
or uncompromising kind of, you know, personality, as I will be discussing. Rindala launched a critique of Chonong tradition, the Sarcha monastery, the, the, the monastery abbot, uh, a students of the Chonong scholar, the Sazamato mentioned, also the teachers of the Rindala uh, himself, right, was deeply disturbed. And he is said to have carried hatred, you know, towards Rindala's ever since. That's one way to alleviate this tension for him is to depart this monastery, or this climate, do retreat, uh, possibly. Uh, however, he did not completely disperse from public sight, as you know, parapestic uh, kind of uh, itinerary monk. Uh, he often travels to between the centrals to Western Tibet, like Radong, Ngari and uh, Ngamrong, uh, this kind of place uh, for retreat with financial supports for regional rulers, aristocratic families. However, he never stayed in a one place for any lengthy period. Uh, during his retreat, he is said to have devoted a significant amount of time to teaching and exposition and uh, contemplative uh, meditation he maintained this kind of way of life until his last breath in uh, <clears throat> uh, uh in the Western Tibet, at dawn of you know uh, the this uh, October and nineteenth, you know, 29th of October uh, in uh, for, no, no, the uh, 1412. Yeah. And Rindawa is remembered for his critique of Kalasakra Tantra and extrinsic emptiness, or Jantong, right? That is the central philosophical grounds of Chonong school. In his letters of Sure Garland, Rindao expressed his reluctance and is to accept the Kalasakra Tantra as orthodox Buddhist tantric system, as many of the sections, you know, contents are in contradictions with some of the shared Buddhist philosophical ethical or cosmological uh, presentation. Later, he was responded by many Tibetan scholars like Taksung Lutsawa Sirubyamsen, who criticized Rindawa for what he think as his failure and to appreciate deep philosophical sophistication of Kalachakra Tantra and additions following the four steps of, of, of Sapan. <clears throat> Rindawa levels for criticism against Mahamudra followers. In Azure Gardens of Instruction, uh, Rindawa's built his fundamental promises that any approach of meditative experience and a contrast to the uh, four uh, Indian Buddhist philosophical school must fall the outside of Buddhist purview. He then goes on to warn the Muhammad followers that they have a strong potentialities of being icons to the uh, Yan, the Chinese Northern Zen master, in support of anti-rationalism, right, which is strongly discourteous intellectual motivation. Uh, what Rindawa primarily concerned is that Muhammad followers equate the clarity or stability uh, in a contemplative practice with a special insight or vipassaka or uh, and the tranquility, uh, shamatha, respectively. 
In other words, Mahmoud followers define the special insight as a mere clarity, uh, which has a little to do with a critical the inquiry that Shuba. Uh, so uh, in a contrast, in a contrast with its current or historical dominant status in Tibetan Buddhism, the Madhyamaka philosophies went periods of stagnation in the 13th century because it has not been, you know, it had not been one of the uh, core monastic curricula at that point. On the gravities of Madhyamaka decline and the Rindawa's efforts towards its revival, his biographer Sanji Simo record from his uh, teach told the Rindawa, told him it's from memory. So the, there is a Tibetan I put there. And the I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm going to read uh, the translation. Uh, during my period of studies, during that I heard that there was only one Madhyamaka text, a certain monastery, and others. I could not believe it was even true. And thanks to my dedications, Madhyamaka texts are perceived valuable nowadays. Rindawa extensively rose on Madhyamaka philosophy for uh, the independent works and for, uh, five the commentarial works. Uh, here I listed some of them. Uh, you see that you have um, the, the, the one that I'm working on. The moment of essential points of two truths, and then the rest of them kind of uh, instruction, uh, and the and then those are the his uh, commentary works to the major Madhyamaka works, Indian works like Mula Madhyamaka Karika and Chattushatak uh, Shastra, and uh, then you have the. Uh, uh, the Madhyamaka Avatar, right? Yeah. So Rindawa, <clears throat> enormous bodies of writing works that he produced is evidence of his commandments to the revivals of Madhyamaka studies, particularly the Prasangika tradition. It should be emphasized that these commentary works are known to as one of the earliest at Tibetan Asiatic literature. And as I was being informed, it has been circulated in a cross school of Tibetan Buddhism. So there is a lot of disagreement about uh, where Indawa's Madhyamaka came from. According to his biography, Sanji Simo, his contemporary, Yaktun Sanjipal, uh, spread a rumor that Rindawa's Madhyamaka does not have uh, transmission. So in his defense, in Rindawa's own defense, Rindawa said that he put his transmission into two categories, literal transmission and Tsukijapa, and meaning translation, Tsukijapa. He said that he was sure that he had the first, the Tsukijapa, but he was less sure about the second. Uh, because in his opinion, it was extremely difficult to get it. So uh, Rindawa is also says to have reached the perfect understandings of the views of uh, Nagarjuna, his uh, subsequent uh, commentator, including the Chandar Kirti, Bhavavika, and the Center of Chita. But to honor this point, Sanjit Simu offers only four factors that 
you know, so turned out as to get the, this point. Uh, he says that uh, one is repeated analysis with his own gifted intellect, and the uh, second, a previous force of uh, aspiration, and the three, uh, third, uh, intensive contemplative practice, uh, fourth, the blessing of three jewels. Uh, we can see that unlike Tsongkhapa, right, uh, Rindava does not give his teacher any credit for helping him to the sea or to get this view. Um, that's a very uh, kind of interesting. The uh, no, the no, the the text, the uh, the moonlight of central points that I'm translating and also kind of doing research uh, is. Is, is a new text. Uh, the the full titles of uh, the the text is read as the moonlight of central points of Tutu Denyeki Dasar. And since Rindava strives in the text to elucidate on the Tutus in the context of Madhyamaka doctrine in general and the Chandrakirti system in the particular, uh, I'm going to. Uh, Call this text DNZ and uh, abruptly. It's um is um it's around twenty five pages, and a tabsit edition and published by Sichuan Weihui Kong and in in collaborations with the Institute of Sichuan and Tibetan Manuscript uh, called the Sichuan Weihui Kong, right? Uh, Two thousand fifteen, I think, and. Unfortunately, the origins of the source remain unknown, since the editors is neither uh, open to discussing how they get this manuscript. According to the colophon, Rindawas wrote DNZ in a Sartya Academy, uh, Sartya Tsilakun, uh, in Tibetan, they said, that at the request of his own student called the Namka Osara. And this DNZ has no date, like many of his other works, but it's likely that he finished it before he left the Sartre Monastery in uh, 1390. It should be noticed that except from Namka Osir's request, DNZ itself is not explicitly clear what motivate inspiring that was to wrote exclusively on the two truths in this manner. However, given the semantic threat, we can accommodate two possibilities, doctrinal and uh, historical reasons. And many of you know that the two truths becomes one of the most attentive topic, uh, dominating at the Tibetan philosophical discussion uh, from, in a, uh, from like 13th century onward, um, possibly, maybe earlier than that. Uh, this inevitably provokes some uh, novels or various interpretations that astray ways from what Rindawa considers to be the authentic meanings of two truths elucidated by the permanent Madhyamaka thinkers, such as Nagarjuna, his commentator, Sondakirti. And the most striking example is the great uh, scholar Dorpopa, a few decades before him. Uh, Doruba uh, composed a similar works on the two truths in, in the title, the San 
some illuminating the two truths, then he said, in which he explained the two truths, the conventional and ultimate, and conformity with intrinsic and extrinsic emptiness, respectively. Though philosophical orientation, this philosophical orientation attracts enormous scholars, including his te own teacher, Anyahu Nesas Matawenchen. Rindawa labels this kind of orientation as substantialism, Munshenchen, uh, criticizes them for sub substantially verifying emptiness. Uh, Characterized by his contemporary, Aluji Guarzong, a kind of a student of Nyahu, uh, Totpupa's approach encouraged integrated possession, that is, the views of Yuga and Madhyamaka are identical on the final point, and that was strongly opposed. A professor, uh, Hopi, uh, you know, Kapizon, <laughs> I'm sorry, the Kapizon, Kapizon, described him as hard doxographer as he draws a striking line between Prasongika and Satantrika, but not just, but from my perspective, not just you know, doxographical distinctions of Prasongika versus Satantrika. He's also drawing on a fine line between the Yogacara and Smadhyamaka. He said uh, these are two different things. He takes a great pains in the DNZ to demarket these two Indian Buddhist school uh, by exhibiting their diverging historical origins and philosophical differences. For the historical reason, as previously discussed, and contrasting the vibrant and arguably the most dominant subject in Tibetan school, Tibetan Buddhist schools, and nowadays, the Madhyamaka study had ceased to develop at this, at this time in the wake of new growing philosophical alternatives. And thus, it would seem that he has the ambitions to show what he believes to be a voracious count of the two truths in the aftermath of his decline and the various innovative readings. Also, he ex exerted a much effort to convince his fellow Tibetan intellectuals to work towards reviving the Madhyamaka tradition, as it is a pentacles of Buddhist philosophical thought. The NZ is independent work. Uh, it perhaps the case that he feel more comfortable uh, reconstructing and straightforwardly expressing his distinctive stance on popular point without the obligations of the semantical or syntactical range which he expected to fill or fulfill in his commentary works. In general, he divided this the DNZ into four major topics, uh, the true, the natures of two truths and classification of two truths, the models of two truths or uh, the models of two truths are two truths or just one. And then authoritative Samadhyamaka authors and you know, seminal treatises. Uh, we will look at the first three sections as it is a core, as it is his core kind of expressions of the two truths in the context of Madhyamaka philosophy. The, for Madhyamaka system, the two truths, conventional 
And ultimate truths are extremely important as they state that all of Buddha's teaching depends on the two truths. Here, they often cite Nagarjuna's uh, passage, a famous passage in his Monamadhyamakarika. Uh, the teaching is taught by Buddha uh, entirely based on two truths, worldly conventional truths and certain ultimate truths. Uh, then the question is, what are the two truths? In the context of Prasangika Madhyamaka philosophy, how should we understand them? And we will see how Rindawa answered these questions. In uh, DNZ, he Rindawa says for ultimate truths, the, the first one is called conventional truths, because one obscures by ignorance to see suchness, taking entities as real, acting for meanings as apprehended, until one realizes suchness. Uh, this would kind of deceive ordinary beings. Conventional wisdom in Nirundawa's view is a product of is a product is a product of immature the beings, ignorance and the conceptual proliferation. It is a you know pragmatic or functional truth, including language and concept, perception, communication, social construct, and norms. Although it is deceptive and analyzed, but it is necessary because without operating in or relying on it conventional, there is no way to get access to the ultimate truth. Uh, he cited Nagarjuna. Uh, he says, you know, without the uh, relying on conventional uh, truths, the supplement dharmas or meanings cannot be apprehended. So in this sense, like his student Tsongkhapa, he relatively hold optimistic views on the convention, uh, not totally, totally kind of rejected as uh, some other Tibetan masters do. In this text, he also highlights that we should not negate uh, conventional reality. If we do it, uh, it kind of warns, we will get nowhere but lose to convention. And he goes on to say that conventional truth itself is not the problem. It's not the problematic. What is the problem is the substance that take any sense to be independently or ontologically existent. What we really need to do is to get uh, rid of that kind of uh, perception. In this way, he isn't, uh, you know, the, in this way, he he is kind of in the line with Tsongkhapa's, right? He has a uh, he has kind of uh, uh, you know a positive uh, views about something that uh, he said that we we have to save it rather than totally reject it. For ultimate truths, uh, he says uh, the second code is two truths. The ultimate truth, as Aryan's non-conceptual gnosis, operates in line with modus of existence, which is the representative of the wish that, that is not uh, deceptive at all, all the time. 
what is the meaning that obtains the body as Aryan's non-conceptual gnosis cannot be apprehended through the four possibilities, the non-existent, non you know, non-existent, nor non-existent, uh, both, uh, not both, uh, nor not both, uh, nor can it be shown to other through language and thought. Individual yogi's intuitive gnosis, uh, like the place of uh, useful ladies, it is beyond a scoop of language. However, unlike the horn of rabbit, it is neither nothingist nor it is a mystic appearance that is illusion. Apart from this, it is also went uh, being assault. Uh, despite it can be experienced during the meditative eco poise, it cannot be shown in the post uh, attentive, as you took, right? So, uh, from Rindawa's perspective, ultimate truth is, is the ultimate nature of reality and perceived by Arya's intuitive vision. Uh, which is free from epistemic fallacy, uh, maybe it's wrong word, uh, but I like to use it, uh, because they see things according to its model of existence, that is devoid of ontological reference. They engage with uh, things without grasping at intrinsic existence. Uh, he emphasized that ultimate truth is empirically attainable but not linguistically explainable, that is beyond uh, dualistic and linguistic framework. He says that it is like useful ladies' sexual bliss, uh, having the experience, but cannot describe what it's like. Uh, and then the question is, why Buddha used linguistic designation if it is beyond a linguistic framework, like uh, ultimate truth, emptiness, and suchness? His re responses is that the Buddha uses for pedagogical or stereological uh, reason. Uh, now we're going to looking at uh, we're going to look at uh, what kind of classification he come up with regarding the two truths. As I uh, listed here, uh, following the footstep of Indian predecessor, Rindava uh, uh, gives two types of classification is D and Z. Uh, for the Otmist, he has two classifications, uh, the genuine, Tsenyepa, and the categorized, and the uh, Namtrongwa. Modern scholars pointed out that the, the letter, the Namtrong, occurs in the um, Madhyamaka Arta Samgara, uh, that is work attributed to the Bawa Vevika. Rindawa equate, uh, however, Rindawa equate with, uh, equate genuine, uh, ultimate truth with ultimate truth itself. He said that it's like space pervading all entities has no divisions. Then the question is how he responds to the categorized one, Nam Zhongwa. By citing Atisha's entry into the two truths, uh, he explains that this division reference to the emptiness of entity and emptiness of person, as well as 16 kind of emptiness appear in the sutra that is linguistically, uh, you know, uh, fabricated. 
Regarding the classifications of conventional tools, he said, according to the artisan's entry into the two tools, it is divided into correct convention that refers to the uh, functional, uh, the uh, lake, uh, uh, like, and the uh, sound, uh, that kind of things. Incorrect conventions uh, that is not functional, like the reflections of the moon and the mirage, and so on and so forth. However, historically, this kind of divisions comes before Atisha, right? He said Atisha as in support of his argument. But we find it in the works of 18th century, 8th century, uh, Yogacara, Madhyamaka, authors like Kantapsita and the Kamala Shila. Rindawa explains that the classifications of correct and incorrect of convention is merely made from the perspective of ordinary beings. After all, both of them are kind of false and deceptive. There is no correct. Now we're going to explore the question is, what is basic world? Or in other words, what is divided into the two truths? This is one of the most controversial topics in, in, in Tibetan Madhyamaka interpretations. Many Tibetan Madhyamaka masters hold a distinct view on this. For example, Tsongkhapa argues that the object of knowledge is the grounds of two truths, uh, division. Uh, Gorumba think mere mind. Other Tibetan masters say that the true is self, and so on and so forth. However, regarding the question, uh, we're going to read Passes from DNZ, how Rindawa explained, respond to this question. He says, the basis of the classification of divisions of the two truths is a mere appearance. Introductions to the middle way, uh, that is the Muda, the Sandakurti's Madhyamaka Avatara, says that all entities perceived to be either. Uh, correct or false view that bears dual natures. The ground is for the rationals for kind of the rational nails for the dividing them is, is in a way in which areas or ordinary uh, peoples perceive differently. According to Rindawa, as we read it in this passage, it is a mere appearance that works as basic as basis or grounds of divisions of two truths. Uh, as we saw it, he cited a verses from Sandakurti's Madhyamaka Avatara in support of his um, argument, but has not kind of elaborated more on this. However, Angulutsawa Ludinshiro uh, shared this view. He thinks that the mere appearance is the basis of this division. But it seems that they are rather coincidentally on the same page. Uh, it may not be necessarily the case that Rindawa read his text himself and accepted it. Uh, however, this view was refuted by some Gili scholars like Gilig textbook author uh, Jamo Jepa. Um, as it is stand in uh, contradictions with Tsongkhapa, but he attributes to also the Anolusawa, not the Rindawa, this view. Uh, a question we can erase from 
arrays for him at this point is that whether these two truths are identical or separate, right? Uh, supposing if phi admits they're identical, then what kind of consequences we will lead to? Uh, similarly, if they are separate, why in in what way they are separate? We know that from Tsongkhapa's point of view, two truths are ontologically uh, identical, but they are conceptually uh, separate. Uh, right. right. But some other Satya master in the journal saying goes that the two truths are distinct and incompatible each other, and mutually exclusive. Rindawa said there's something different. He draws the distinction uh, between the throw analysis and not analysis or ordinary analysis. In terms of the former, uh, through analysis, the two truths are neither identical nor are separate. He argues that if two truths are identical, then there would be the logical consequences that ordinary people also could, uh, like conventional truths, realized ultimate truths, uh, without making any effort. He also, it would also know here, uh, he, it was, it also follows that like the ultimate conventional also becomes the cause of the being ultimate uh, or like the conventional uh, ultimate would be the locus of uh, various uh, emotional afflictions. If it is separate, it would follow, he argued, um, even if those yogis uh, realized um, the ultimate, they could not eliminate attachments of the conventional truths. And also, it would reasonably follow that the ultimate would be the nature of the conventional. Uh, conventional. However, this text that he used to support is verses from Sandinimuchana Sutra, where he states perceiving two truths, neither either identical or uh, you know separate is not the proper way. Uh, you're gonna interest a downfall if you do that. Uh, in terms of the letter, the, the ordinary analysis, the two truths are totally separate as he argued, uh, because otherwise there would be no two truths, uh, no respective characteristic of, of the truth. Uh, because we have a, in the sutras and, and, and uh, many other, you know, the uh, scriptural texts that they are two truths. And uh, the, uh, and he thinks like, uh, you know, uh, so if he say like, it's, uh, there is no two truths, then might contradict this uh, a statement. Yeah. That's all for today, and thank you for listening and for your patience.